much. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. How are you, bro? Doing great, brother. How you doing? Uh, good, good. How's the family? Everyone good? Yeah, brother. No complaints on my end. How are you guys doing? Uh, yeah, same, man. Just I'm working. Good, man. Trying to work yeah. through life, man. You know what I'm awesome, saying? Bro. In these yes, difficult sir. times. Um, yeah, thanks. Your first ever guest. And um, awesome. Quite a, a big, big guest to have as well. Big guest for a small little podcast, you know? Awesome, man. My pleasure. And, um, yeah. Um, so we're just going to start off with um, uh, just how do you get into fighting, man? Just uh, let us uh, let us know a little bit uh, about your journey. We know you're from Kosovo. Representing. <laughs> for sure. And, um, Albanian excellence. Um, but um, yeah, just let us know a little about yourself. Let the so- fans so initially, uh, my father and mother, they immigrated here to America and probably, I think my dad came here first, 87, 1987, wow. Wow. uh, to the Bronx. And then my mother yeah. shortly followed up, uh, shortly after I was like, I think every Albanian yeah. who yeah, immigrated yeah, yeah. either before the war or after the war, they came, uh, to yeah. the Bronx. So I was raised up there for a while and, um, yeah, I remember, you know, just growing up, it wasn't the easiest, especially being in the Bronx, you know, it was pretty rough. So my father always uh, wanted me to to train martial arts, do something. So I, he got me into karate, boxing and stuff like that. So I was uh, I was in it. <clears throat> I was doing it for a little while and then I kind of stopped. And then as I got older, it started to catch my attention again. You know, uh, I saw videotapes of like Pride. Saw mm-hmm. Anderson Silva that was there in his era whenever Anderson Silva was up and coming and he he was just on that hot streak, you know. And yeah, I just really awesome. yeah, really, really fell in love with the sport. And then uh, I remember in high school, uh, there was a gym not too far away from where I lived. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm I wanna go all in, you know, I wanna try it out. And uh yeah, I remember I did my first competition. I lost in grappling, mm-hmm. but I was just I was I was hooked and then um yeah, I just I just remember being hooked, and and then I remember after I completed uh, basic training and everything like that with the United States Army, I was still training everything like that. I remember uh, one of my coaches at the time. He's like, "Hey man, what do you think about doing an amateur fight?" And <clears throat> I was like, "You know what? Let's do it." You know? Yeah. As soon as I hung up the phone, I was like, "Yo, what did I just agree to?" You know? Like, <laughs> did, am I crazy? Did I lose my mind? But uh, yeah, I fought in a uh, fought in a place called Alexandria, Louisiana, which is probably close to three hours away from where I live now in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and yeah, man, it was, it was an amazing experience. Uh, for one, you know, that hotel was really old. Uh, <laughs> you had cigarette burns on the bed. Half the carpet oh, was wow. missing. Everything. Was like that. So it, was, <laughs> it was definitely far from five star, you know, but uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. And I remember from that day, I was just hooked. Uh, and the rest was history. Mm. Yeah. For yeah, sure. So you oh, sorry, go on. Uh so do you ha- are you focusing on uh, I, I assume you're focusing on jujitsu because you're you won the world championships recently, you got promoted to purple belt <clears throat> and you've got eight submission wins. <laughs> so yeah. is that your main focus, would you say? No, brother. To be honest, uh, you know, as much as I love grappling, um, and I love jujitsu. I love every facet of MMA. So in our sport, you have to be training everything, mm. you know. So mm. uh, at my gym over here in Dallas, Texas, Fortis MMA, it's, uh, it's just a grind house, you know. Every single day that you go there, you just get better, you know, with our wrestling program, with our grappling program, with our striking program. Um, you know, 
our coaches world class our the, the athletes that are there oh, sorry they're world class you know it's just it's something that i uh it's something that i really love you know and uh, the training is always hard and it's just a lot of hard work that just goes into it so yeah, yeah. for sure uh yeah so um you told us that um you've obviously grown up in the bronx so how do you end up in uh, dallas texas uh so i had some family over here that uh i want to say they they left the Bronx probably in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. So whenever the war started uh, to really like end and taper down, they moved to, to Dallas. And it was always on our radar, you know, because we just knew, like my father, he always knew, he's like, hey, I, I don't want my family living here for too long. You know, there's, yeah. the Bronx is not an area where you really raise your, your family. You know, you yeah. can't, you can't, it's not a good place to, to have kids and, it's not a very family-friendly environment. You know what I mean? It's not something that my, me, myself, I personally want my kids to see or my future generations to see because I don't think it uh, it embodies what America really is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that there's, yeah, more, yeah, there's yeah. more to America than what a lot of Albanians, they, they see, unfortunately. You know, um, many Albanians that they live in the Bronx, that's, that's all they're probably ever going to be accustomed to that yeah. they're ever going to see. And it's a shame because America has a lot of beauty to it, but... Uh, in terms of Dallas and what brought us here, the living was way better. You know, the, yeah. the uh, you can make a living here. Uh, housing is is uh, much better. It's way more affordable uh, versus New York. You know, New York, you pay crazy amounts of taxes and everything like that. Texas is, uh, I feel it's truly an American state. You know, it's like yeah. one of those things that you really read up on. It's it's American. You know, you get to own guns. Uh, <laughs> you, you get to do a lot of stuff out here. You know, do you, have you any? can't really do it. Do you have any guns? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, brother. I, I, I love weapons, man. I've been, uh, I've been, Albanians uh, love weapons, man. Yeah, I've been a big gun person majority of my life, and now it's it's awesome that I get to exercise that right in uh here in Texas, you know. Yeah, I know that's uh that's awesome, man. Um, uh, did you see the Khabib fight last night? Yeah, very very happy for Khabib. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Khabib. I always have. I have a lot of respect for Justin Gaethje. I remember he actually, uh, there was an open mat that we did, uh, open all the fighters in UFC Dallas whenever they came uh, in 2017. Uh, the UFC put an event here in Dallas, and we had a bunch of guys from uh, all these different teams that were coming. And I got to see Justin Gaethje train, and yeah. uh, just a very hard-nosed guy and uh, yeah. a guy that I have a ton of respect for. But, of course, you know, I was – very, very happy. Very pleased that Khabib won. Very proud of him. You know, yeah. I, I love, I love what the guy symbolizes and what he stands yeah, for. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's a thing of beauty. You know, he's, he reminds me a lot of, uh, a lot of Albanians from Kosovo. You know, he yeah. reminds me a lot of us, uh, exactly. just, just from the mountains and everything like that. Just a very humble, <laughs> yeah, very yeah, simple, yeah. simple guy, man. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, he just, you know what? He's a goat, in my opinion. He yeah, certified himself as a goat. And, um, yeah, I don't think I don't think that that's uh, much of an argument for a lot nah. of people. <laughs> no, nah, no chance, no way. Um, though, I was surprised he, he retired. Um, at the, he's quite young to to retire from the UFC, but um, I was. But uh, you know, uh, I mean, he's achieved everything that he, he he probably set out to do. You know, and uh, you know, of course, you wanna you wanna go above and beyond uh, everything that you've ever imagined especially mm-hmm. in the sport, but, you know, how close he was to his father and his father being his mentor, his father being his coach, yeah. I completely 
understand it. And I have no qualms about it. You know what I mean? The guy, the guy's a champion. And there's not much you can do after you become a champion. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you could defend the belt so much, but yeah. the only – my father, he always told me, he's like, you know, once you win the belt, there's really not much else from there. You know, there's you're, you're only going to defend it against challengers, and it's only going to get harder. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. the climb is hard, but maintaining it's going to be even harder. And, you know, of course, you always run the risk of, of losing. And, I mean, what a way to go out, you know, an un unblemished record. And uh, an amazing human being. So I have nothing but respect. I tip my hat to that man. Yeah. No, sure. he's done everything in the sport. And you're right. I don't think there's anyone that can compete with him anyway. No, so no. I think um, he's done the right thing there. Uh, you mentioned the army earlier. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into the army. What made you go into the army and how so, the experience was. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. It's something that I'm very grateful for. Um, you know, Coming, coming from the background that we did, uh, whenever my father and many of my family members, for that fact, were in former Yugoslavia and Kosovo, they all served in the JNA, the Yugoslav National yeah. Army. So that was pretty that was pretty big. But also, whenever my father, he, he immigrated to this country and the war really started to kick up, he was actually a linguist, an interpreter, and I believe a translator. And he worked with the Department of Defense, yeah. which is here in America. So he was actually working with the uh, 10th Special Forces Group whenever they made their initial invasion into Kosovo and were looking to liberate Kosovo. So he was, uh, he was, yeah, he was with those guys heavy. And uh, I remember going to Kosovo in 2003. Yeah, 03, shortly after the war happened. And I just remember that whole experience with, with those Green Berets, uh, the U.S. Special Forces and everything that they were doing. I got to see uh, their outposts that they had in Ferizai. So it was, it was a real, a real eye-opening and amazing experience for me. And like I said, I always had it in my mind that I always wanted to do something like pretty crazy and pretty outlandish, you know, as I got older. So I guess that's what led me into fighting and that's what led me into joining the Army, just doing something completely different. Yeah, that sounds amazing, man. Uh, so tell us about, uh, I think you were yeah. supposed to fight in the Contender Series, right? Yes, sir. In uh, June of 2019. Yeah, and tell us about how that fell through and uh, how this fight in November has, has come about. Yeah, absolutely. So in uh, June of 2019, I was scheduled to headline uh, Dana White's Contender Series. And the, before you fight for the UFC, they make you do... <clears throat> Sorry, he just uh, disconnected. I think he's going to join again. Yeah, for uh, sure. But, yeah. <clears throat> Continue. So, with UFC, they make you do a series of medicals. And uh, upon doing my medicals, I think the last thing that I had to do, which is kind of crazy, because usually it's the first thing that they make you do is uh, your MRIs, uh, which is like the scan of the brain, everything like that, just to make sure that you're functioning well and there's nothing wrong with your brain at all, you know? So, yeah. they, dis they discovered an irregular finding. I remember they told me, they're like, hey, we... It's an irregular finding. We need you to go see a neurologist. And the neurologist had me do further tests. And we're about a week and a half out from my fight. So it was a time crunch. And I was also very nervous. I was like, you know, if somebody calls you, imagine like you go to a doctor and like you go to get MRI done on your brain. And then they're like, hey, we found something. You know, your first reaction, you're going to get a little nervous. You're going to be like, you know, what's going on? What did you guys find? You know, like <laughs> I really wanted to know. So yeah. Unfortunately, going to the neurologist, they did all the scans that they had to do with dye, with with uh, whatever else they had, and uh, they actually found the tumor in uh, my orbital. Oh. So yeah, 
you know, thank God uh, the, the surgery, the procedure went well, got it all out. And um, it, was Amazing. A, it was a little bit of a long road to recovery, but it was one that was worth it, like I said. And then all of a sudden, as I fully recovered, coronavirus hit, you know, in America <laughs> and everything yeah. like that. But uh, it was the UK card, actually. They were getting ready to do UFC London, I think, back in March. Oh, no way. Yeah, so they were getting ready to do, I think, uh, Leon Edwards versus Tyron Woodley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So upon them doing that, coronavirus canceled it, everything like that. So they wanted to bring the card to America. So once they brought the card to America, the UFC was kind of scrambling. They're like, hey, we need fighters, U.S.-based fighters that live here in this country um, without visa issues, nothing like that. And, you know, I raised my hand immediately. Uh, I talked to my coach, talked to my management. I was like, hey, guys, you know, I want to get in on this card. I was like, you know, I'm fully recovered. I'm ready. Um, unfortunately, my contender series opportunity was ripped away from me. I don't know if they're going to do the contender series this year. I said, if they're fighting, I was like, you know, I want in. I was like, 100%, yeah. throw my name in the hat. And uh, fortunately, by me doing that, whenever the card started to come uh, into fruition, like they started to be more active in the summer, with uh, all the cards that they were putting on after that May card where Gaethje fought Ferguson, they yeah. started to come on a regular basis and they offered me a fight in June. Uh, oh. thank God. Yeah. I was supposed to fight a Japanese uh, fighter from he trains out in Florida. His name is Takashi Sato. Uh, we all agreed right. to the bar, everything like that. So they flew me out to Vegas. Everything's running smooth and I'm, you know, really excited. I'm like, man, I'm about to make my UFC debut. Let's go. Let's do this. And then boom, I'm hit with another, uh, road bump one of my tournaments has positive for covid so oh, then wow. yeah they made us drive back from las vegas all the way to dallas which is about a 20 hour drive no we couldn't way. fly yeah we couldn't fly so and then <laughs> yeah I, I ended up catching covid myself in august so oh, wow. quite the ride man quite the ride i've been on you had a hell of a year man oh yeah well hell of a hell of a year and a half going on two years year and a half. I, I tell everybody it feels like uh it feels like 2020, uh, it feels like from June 2019 until now has been one big 2020 to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a massive sure. extension of 2020. But like I said, I, I, I personally, I wouldn't want it any other way. And, uh, you know, yeah. definitely uh, it, it adds some, uh, some zest to my story. So I can't complain about that. <laughs> For sure. I'm glad to hear you're in good health, man. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you got you? the... Sorry, man. Go ahead. Oh, so you've got the... The fight coming up in two weeks on the seventh. Yes, and sir. Will that be in Las Vegas? Yes, sir. That's going to be in Las Vegas. Right. Are you disappointed you couldn't fight in Yaz Island? Um, a little bit, but uh, listen. After all the traveling that I did, so I've seen so much of America this year. You know, uh, from driving from Las Vegas all the way to Dallas, I got to see all those states on the on the western seaboard. Yeah. Uh, which I'm done for. I'm like, I listen, I don't <laughs> want to drive no more. Anything over 40 miles, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to make it. I, I tell everybody, I'm like, listen, <laughs> if, it's over, if it's over 40 miles, don't even bother. Like, we could FaceTime each other, you know, like family, anybody. I'm like, listen, guys, you could make an effort. You could come see me. And because uh, what happened after that is I went to South Dakota, which is a state way up north. I mean, it's like yeah. nothingness, you know, it's, 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 it's a massive state, but it only has like 800,000 people in it. You know, it's, oh, wow. it's, I mean, dude, if you look on the map, you look how big South Dakota is, it's impressive. But then you realize that there's only 800,000 people there. 
And then you're like, ah, I, I kind of see why, you know? <laughs> so they, they, they fly us up there. Uh, and one of my teammates, uh, he's getting ready to fight. And then we both test positive. This is in August. For COVID. <laughs> oh, so then I remember the next morning after our COVID test, uh, our coach calls us. He's like, hey, guys, I got some very bad news. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, to my teammate, you and Ramiz have tested positive for Corona. And I'm like, oh, dude. I'm like, no way. I, I was like, dude, I was like, please. I was like, if somebody's playing a joke, I was like, just tell me right now. You know, I'll, I'll forgive you guys. You know, I was like, it's, it's okay. You know, just end the joke. But it wasn't a joke. Sure enough, I, I had to drive back down from, from South Dakota to Dallas. So I had to take another road trip, which was 14 or 15 hours. Wow. And then I uh, finally made it back to Dallas. And I was like, listen, I am done. For the rest of the year, <laughs> done. Anything over, anything over 40, 40 minutes of driving, I'm finished. You guys, no way, no way. Yeah, man, you went on a tour just to get yeah, a fight. Yeah, US, US tour. So I was actually kind of happy that they didn't offer me a fight on Yaz Island just yet. I mean, next year, <laughs> if they're on Yaz Island next year, once I feel rejuvenated, everything like that, ready to travel, let's do it. But until then... They could they could uh, put me on a two hour flight to Las Vegas and I have no issue <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, um, the journey just sounds like an amazing journey. And um, um, so go on, Tijan, go on. do the. OK, so um, about your opponent, Max Griffin, uh, he's on a two loss streak. Uh, how do you feel like that fight's going to pan out? What, what have you been doing to prepare? How long has your fight week, fight camp been? Uh, and just tell us about your fight camp in general. It's been a, it's been a pretty long fight camp. Honestly, uh, I think we, we caught wind of the fight. We, we signed the contract at the end of August. I think either last week or August, the first week of September, I can't really remember. Um, but yeah, I was super excited about this fight as I was my past two bookings that fell through. Um, Max Griffin is, 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 he always comes out to fight and I love that kind of style. Uh, I think it, it complements my style as well, because I'm one of those guys that I'm always going to go forward and, you know, I come to fight all the time. Uh, so it's been a very hard training camp. I'm expecting the best Max Griffin, uh, and he, he could expect the best from his, but he might come, uh, November 7th. So, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm in for, I'm in for a fight, you know, and I'm super excited about it. You know, it's been, it's been almost a year and a half since I've been in action and there's no better way for me to get back in the mix than to fight somebody like him. So I'm super excited about it. Sure. Um, uh, well, yeah, um, Ramiz, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. My pleasure, um, guys. I can't wait to tell my parents, my friends, my family back home in Kosovo. What a way, uh, what a first uh, special guest on the podcast. For sure. It's my pleasure. Just the fact that you reply to our messages alone just shows what kind of human being you are. A small little podcast like ours. And I'm just absolute pleasure, man. Thank you and good luck for the future. Thank you. I was I was a small fighter one day too. You know, not not too many people knew about yeah. me. Like when I told you guys yeah. earlier, when I was fighting in Louisiana, and my one of my coaches he had the Albanian Eagle shirt on. I was fighting in the midst <laughs> of people probably that didn't even know. People probably thought if I would have told the audience that was in Louisiana about yeah. Albania, they probably would have thought it was like a mythical uh, country, you know, from like Narnia or something like that. You know, so yeah. like I said, I mean, listen, everybody, everybody has to start somewhere. So, yeah. you know, it's my pleasure for you guys. And I, I wish you guys nothing but the best. Uh, 
Kusmet, inshallah, you guys will be big time as well on the podcast sure, scene, Thank you, everything like that. So I wish you guys nothing but the best and just keep grinding, man. Keep grinding, keep hustling and uh, never let anything deter you. You know, uh, there were many a times on my journey that I've been on that I could have easily given up, packed up and just d- did something else. But I knew that I would never be satisfied with my life ultimately at the end of the day. Um, you know, one way that I like to look at it is um, I think whenever you're going through hardship, right, especially with something that you love to do, I think it's God showing you, you know, hey, do you really love this this much that you're going to stick through this little rough patch right now? Because the lifestyle that you're preparing for is going to have these bumps and bruises. So in order for you to really relish it and cherish those moments, you're going to have to go through these rough patches. So I always tell everybody, man, you know, um, especially from our community, us being Albanians, you know, we do at times have, you know, toxic family members that try to discourage you. And, uh, you know, just it's very disheartening. But I've never been that way, you know, especially me growing up here and uh, getting to experience America. Like I said, all of America, you know, getting to experience many different communities and many different walks of life. One thing that I've realized is some of the most successful people, they're very defiant. They always do as they please. You know what I mean? They're always going to go above and beyond, no matter what anybody's telling them, if it's their family, if it's their friends, whoever is is in their ear, spreading negativity to them, they just block it out and they keep moving forward. So that's my best advice, especially to our young Albanians out there that are, are trying to make it. And, you know, they're, they're a little bit uh, undecided, you know, and um, they're in probably turbulent seas. I always tell them, you know, just, just keep trucking. You know, if, if this yeah. is something that you really love to do, just keep trucking. And I promise you, hard work will always pay off. It always does. Oh, thank For you, sure. man. That's beautiful. Thank man. you. We appreciate you, Ramiz. Uh, good thank luck you, in your guys. fight. Thank you and so much. I appreciate it, guys. Now, one day, inshallah, we're going to see you here, UFC London. For come, sure, brother. I was actually fighting. in London. I was in London uh, in 2018. I was cornering one of my teammates. Okay. We stood at the Canary Wharf. So I definitely oh, wouldn't mind. Yeah, I wouldn't mind fighting in London again, man. I mean, fighting for myself in London, but yeah, yeah, in London yeah. again. The O2 Arena, that was amazing, man. That was a huge yeah. arena. And it was yeah. one that was extremely impressive. And next time, if you guys do the podcast, I'll come on. I'll tell you guys about the story. How I almost got robbed at Limehouse or Lime, Limehouse. <laughs> oh, wow. Limehouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. We almost got robbed at Limehouse, me and my boy. And I was like, what? you know, being from the Bronx, I knew it right away. Me and him, we knew it. We're like, dude, <laughs> these guys are trying to stick us up. I mean... They're like, let me check you, bro. And I'm like, listen, man, let me check me. I'm going up. I'm going on the tube. I had an oyster card. So I was going on the tube and I was like, back to Canary Wharf. Nobody was no going to catch me. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, hey, that, that's a story for next time. For next time. Podcast, 100%. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. All right, guys. We look forward to yourselves. it. It was my pleasure, Thank guys. you. Stay Thank safe. you, man. And good Shout luck. Shout out to the family, guys. You too. You too, man. Good on,